Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Your host, Tori. Today is July 16th, 2019. And yesterday was a very charged day, a very polarizing day, I might say. And I think all of us would agree. But this was necessary in order to, what, how would we say it? Distract the mindless so that the adults can get things going, right? So, and there's a lot to talk about today. I want to start talking about Africa as well today. Uh, yesterday, the news were all busy telling us how racist President Trump is, how horrid his remarks were, and how they were, what is it, uh, thumping up the rhetoric of the kinds of Rashida uh you know, Presley, Omar, and AOC, uh, what people are calling the squad, I call the anti-American caucus. Because if you actually listen between their words, things can make so much more sense. Because they're great in using words, but people aren't paying attention. Also, a lot of people have been commenting on Omar's conversation that I and Laura had exposed where she was talking about her terrorism studies and what she was doing. And, you know, unfortunately, I see a lot of people on the right uh, misstating exactly what she was saying. And that boils down to not having that cultural nuance to understand, you know, more of the... um, a response and how and what she was really saying with it. So I'll break it down. It wasn't so much like, oh, I say Al-Qaeda with so much pride or, oh, I say America like flat. That was wrong. And, you know, I, I, I loathe fake news, no matter how much it makes her look bad, you know, no matter how much it exposes their, you know, actual... I would say, you know, agenda, that's something that I do not stand for and I do not like and, you know, I condemn all sorts of fake news, period. So we'll break that down too. Um, Like I told you, Africa is going to be coming into the forefront here. There's a lot going on. And um, there was a little bit of outrage yesterday because our president cut funding to an African nation. And we'll talk about that um, uh, later on in the show. I thought maybe today uh, we can kind of just take a look at what uh, is going on in, you know, in our political scene of what our president is telling us to focus on uh, 
which is really important. And then after that, we'll just jump into, you know, what is coming up, what is really going on. So the first uh, tweet of the day, again, was about this anti-American caucus. Uh, the Democrat congresswoman, he said, have been spewing some of the, uh, the most vile, hateful, and disgusting things ever said by a politician in the House or Senate. And yet they get a free pass and a big embrace from the Democrat Party. Horrible anti-Israel, anti-USA, pro-terrorist, and public shouting of the F word, among many other terrible things. And the petrified Dems run for the hills. Why isn't the House voting to rebuke the filthy and hate-laced things they've said? Because they are the radical left. And the Democrats are afraid to take them on sad. Now, for some reason, people think that this anti-American squad has a lot of clout. So yesterday... I was kind of relaxing in a sense, as much as one can. And around eight o'clock in the evening, I pop on my news uh, shows on my DVR that I record some news shows. And I kind of skim through it, both liberal and conservative and center. I just, you know, skim through to see if there's anything interesting, one of their guests said or anything. And at that point, I see on my Twitter feed that truffle shuffle round boy Brian Settler uh, tweeted out something. Now, when he tweeted this, it was like five minutes it had been tweeted and it had like one RT and like six likes. And I'm like staring at it and I'm like, oh, do I want to like troll him? Do I want to like take a screenshot and say, wow, you've had your tweet up for five minutes and you have so many, you know, followers and that's all you get? Guys, almost instantly, instantly, like before my eyes and I couldn't even get the screenshot fast enough, that one RT went to 175 and those six likes became 600. It's like these numbers just added up. So I'm like, oh, darn it, I missed it. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Twitter. I heard from a friend of mine in Silicon Valley that works in that area, and I've actually encouraged them to reach out to James O'Keefe. He said that there's something that advertising companies call a boosting package. So certain people can actually pay branding companies to buy boosting packages. And when I asked, you know, what a boosting package is, it's basically that you can select to boost certain um, tweets or all of them for a price. And it's like really expensive. And I was like, well, I thought bots and stuff were like gone. You can't have fake followers. You know, those companies have been put out of business. You can't hire someone to retweet your stuff, you know, and get fake retweets. He's like, no, this one's like just changing the numbers like directly, like inputting the numbers. I was like, no way. So yesterday I was watching um, some saved episodes because I hadn't gotten up to watching it of that new show, The Rook. And as I was watching it, you know, I see AOC flying through my timeline. I'm like, let me look at her tweet. So I look at it and it's like so many thousands of likes, so many um, thousands of RTs. And it was really, really weird. So I actually videotaped it and tweeted it out last night because what was odd was is that the retweets were going from 4.17 to like 48 point something. So it's 4.1. 41,000, 41.7 thousand. And then like, what was it like 47 or something? Let me pull up my tweet. It was really weird because it was 
going back and forth um, with that and the amount. Yeah. So it was like 47.4 thousand retweets and 189,000 likes. Then it would change to 41.2 thousand retweets and 200,000 likes. And it's like, what? And it was just going back and forth from 200,000 likes to 189,000 likes from four, 41 point something like um, 41.2 thousand retweets to 47.4 retweets. It was the most insane thing going back and forth. And I was like, Hold on. At first, though, I did put up screenshots in that thread. I showed that it was like 189,000 likes and 199,000 likes and then back to 189,000 likes and then back to 199,000 likes. So Twitter is amplifying, right, fraudulently and by manually inputting how many likes and tweets and whatnot and retweets and hearts and whatever someone gets. So there are something called the boosting packages that they can buy and they literally input it, like type it in, which is pretty insane. And obviously to type it in before you tweet it out, when you have a package, your ad agency sends the tweet uh, to the person of contact they have to tweet it out through your account for you and instantly change the numbers or something like that. Now, you know, my source isn't willing to come up, uh, you know, um, in person and you know with their name and expose it i've urged them to get through to project veritas but they swear that twitter monitors everything you know that they do see here and say i mean you know when we have conversations um you know there's a faraday bag present or we're talking through burner phone so it's um it's pretty crazy and i want to say that twitter indeed has a lot of clout in regards to the tech industry, not so much of their algorithms and their access to their platform. But if you get like banned from Twitter, they literally ban your phone. So like, say you create a new account and you log in with your new account, right? You're not allowed to use Twitter um, through that phone. You will not be, you will be automatically banned because they have blacklisted your phone. They blacklist phones, okay? This is a big deal because we need to know if the carriers have anything to do with that because the minute you purchase a phone and it's your property, you should know if you've been blacklisted. I mean, every single person listening to me now has the right to do a FOIA request on themselves and say, I want to know if I have an FBI file. I want to know if I have a CIA file. I want to know if my phone's blacklisted. Is my address blacklisted? Am I blacklisted? You know, you have the right to know that because that is your personal property. And when people are putting it in categories or, you know, blacklisting your device, that's a problem. Because imagine if, you know, you buy a secondhand phone or a secondhand computer, right? and you try to get on Twitter and you're not that person, they will automatically block you anyway because that hardware is no longer allowed to access those platforms. This is a very big deal and it's really important that people, um, you know, pay attention to it. Hopefully with the meeting that social media mongols will have, um, 
with uh, the uh, president of the United States talking about social media and talking about censorship, that this will come up. Uh, regardless, I'm already formulating a letter to send to the FBI saying how they're violating and to the Department of Justice, the Civil Rights Division, to tell them how, uh, you know, they are blacklisting hardware that is, you know, someone's person that is their thing, which is a really big deal because... Being blacklisted is being completely discriminated. And like we've seen, you know, while the left is cheering that Laura Loomer, because she's very loud about, you know, the radical Islam penetrating our nation. And, you know, um, McGinnis, we have Alex Jones, who we've loved and adored over our airwaves for over 20 years. I mean, that man's voice has kept me company in the armpits of the world while I had sand in my butt. You know, I love that man. I love listening to him. I don't care if, you know, part of the stuff he says I don't agree with. Some of it I just find very entertaining. It's just not right they have been ousted from the community and the majority of our community um uh you know holds conversations and public discourse happens in a, a cyber area so it is unacceptable okay and should not be allowed in our nation i mean you know like president trump said if they don't like it here they can move you know you can go to turkey where they turn off twitter and on and off you know you can go there you can go to Venezuela. You can go to Costa Rica. You can go wherever you want. This is a free nation. We don't hold our citizens hostages. You can leave. If you don't like it, leave. You want to go to Canada? Go. But I'm telling you, Canada is like super creepy. No offense to all my Canadian listeners. Maybe it's like I'm an energy person. You know, I'm not like one of those fruity crystal holding lovers, right? But I can tell you that the first time as a civilian, you know, not there for a targeted meeting, but to actually pay attention that I was in Canada was just a couple of years ago where I went to celebrate Greek Easter in Winnipeg. And um, I remember walking down the streets and they all looked like replicas of different neighborhoods that I've seen somewhere else, first of all, right? So like one area, I could have sworn I was in East Elmhurst, New York. Another area, I was like, yo, this is like Frankfort, Kentucky. Another area looked like it was like a part of, you know, some community that I remember of apartments in Pensacola, Florida that was off base. Like it was eerily familiar and it was like a mashup. And so... Um, it felt a little bit creepy for me that it was so um, vanilla and mixed, I guess. But it was when I went to the supermarket that, um, you know, I went to get a Rogers phone because my uh, at that time I had AT&T. Jesus, I don't know why I ever was with them. Um, and it was like insane. Like in a day I had racked up like $50 in like charges. So I went to get like a Rogers um, phone. And when I went to the supermarket, I saw airplane miles, you know, airplane miles. And I was like, um, do people like use miles to go shopping? He's like, no, airplane is like universal. It's like all the rewards, all the miles of every single store in Canada. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, you don't have like Best Buy rewards, like just for Best Buy where you're like this great customer. He's like, no, everything's through airplane. And I was thinking, wow, Canadians are voluntarily giving 
all their, you know, um, activity, shopping trends, what they like, what they don't like, where they go, where they eat, where they shop, what kind of fruit they like, drink they like, all for free to one company under one umbrella. Now that is like super profiling data. Like imagine being a company where I can record because you want rewards and discounts, all the supermarket shopping you do, what cigarettes you buy, what alcohol you buy, what video games, TV, uh, you know, stereos, shoes, socks, underwear, flowers, everything. You name it, I can track it. Tell me, do I know you better than yourself? Yes, I do. And can I break you down faster than you can think? Yes, I do. And can I find you at any given moment of the day? Yes, I do. I have that capability. I am able to do that with all that information. So for that reason, Canada scares me. I mean, even in the United States, unless it's like my Starbucks rewards card or Best Buy elite status, because I totally love my video games and my electronics. Um, other than that, um, you will not see my name on any rewards program. I, uh, you know, put, uh, you know, a phone number that I have a bucket phone number for Google from Google voice where people can, you know, I use it as a registered number. That's how I get gas points. That's how I get like supermarket points, you know, target stuff. I don't even mess with target. I had like a whole debacle with them, but, um, it's just incredible that, you know, people are frowning upon our nation and talking about how horrible it is. But when you look at the little nuances of other nations, of what goes on in other nations, like, you know, so many people are like telling me, friends and family, hey, when are you going to be like coming to Greece, you know, and your kids are almost like out of the house. And I was like, well, you know, I will most likely retire there, right? Because I mean, I won't have to pay rent and, you know, I'll get my pension and, you know, I'll be by the beach. Like who doesn't want to do that? But uh, they were like, no, why don't you like come down and get involved in politics or do something, you know, to help your, you know, countries, you know, your country. And I was like, well, my country is the United States. Now, you know, my heritage is 100% Greek, right? That's my hometown. Uh, but my, 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 my country is this. And so the reason they, they, they said, hey, maybe you want to come, you know, uh, to, to like kind of help out because they are, you know, recruiting out in the United States. They are lo- reaching out to lobbyists, to Greek Americans with education, people that understand government and the workings to kind of chip in like, you know, Yanis Varoufakis, who kind of joined in being a professor in economics, even though he's a little bit commie, you know, so. But the thing is, no, what other nation can afford me an unemployment rate of 3%? Greece has it at almost 20 right now. What other country can afford me the right to privacy? Is It's not that much privacy, right? But it does in a way, right? Compared to other nations. What other country can afford me the right to free speech? I mean, in any other country, you say something that, you know, someone in power doesn't like, you get thrown in jail. You know, there's still blasphemy laws in different nations. I mean, do they apply them? I don't know. I mean, but there is blasphemy laws in Greece, just so you know. Like, technically, there is. Um, So it's like, you know, why would anyone, you know, this this is where I'm at. 
start badmouthing their own nation. Yes, I badmouth in regards to the policies that we've had, the stuff that we've been doing, how we've been acting. I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes even that rhetoric where people are like, hey, if you're going around the world killing people, you know, and they bite back, don't be, you know, alarmed. Um, yeah, but that isn't the people of America's fault. That's not your fault or my fault or your neighbor's fault. It's the people that were in office, the people that took office, the people that have been meddling with our elections, not unbeknownst to us, okay? Because for some reason, we all thought we actually voted. You know, they've been rigging elections since like, you know, the the mid, you know, 1940s, I would say. They've been rigging them. And how they've been rigging them? Is it the machines? Is it the paper ballots? Who knows? But for one thing's for sure, they've been using the mainstream media to guide your thought, guide your notions, and tell you what's news and what's not. And what they believe you should know and what you shouldn't. This conditioning, this social conditioning has caused us to come to the point in 2016 where we say, all right, that's enough. Um, we're not into this. We don't want this. We don't want to do any of this anymore. We want to focus on our country. We want made America, made in America brands again. We want a strong economy. We need jobs. We need to start, you know, mining. We need to start lumbering. We need to like bring back manufacturing companies. We want that, that job where the person didn't have to get a degree, but they were skilled in plumbing and could get a job. We don't need that degree because if if you were great at manufacturing or whatever, you'd start as a meat packer and end up being the supervisor at the age of, you know, 45 with a great pension and you worked your tushy off, right? That is the American dream, putting in hard earned, you know, time and sweat so that you can, you know, do what you want to do, have money in your pocket, not live paycheck to paycheck, have that house with the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids and the dog. You know, that was always the aspiration of everyone to be able to have that, to have what? The ability to control their own destiny. You should be able to say, well, I, if I put in 10 hours of work, I'll get 10 hours of work worth of money. If I put a thousand hours of work, darn, I'm going to get a thousand hours hours of work worth of money so I can do even more. The harder you work, the more you achieve. I mean, that's the basis of capitalism. And for some reason, they seem to demonize it and make it seem like it's bad. You know, I had someone, you know, ask me, uh, you know, you're, we were having a conversation about my, my eldest daughter's godfather, who is insanely rich. And they said, um, and I'm not going to mention his name because he's a very well-known figure. Um, he, sa- he said to me, you know, so-and-so, you know, has this company, right? I mean, you know, they pay so many taxes. He has everything he wants. Uh, you know, I mean, what what has that company done, you know, for the American worker? These are just capitalists wanting President Trump to be president again, even though her uncle does not vote in the United States. Okay, he's in England. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people like that, because he does have companies here though um people like that you know don't contribute to the economy and i said well you know um that rich person or any rich person within our nation that has a big business 
offers jobs and those jobs offer health care. And if it wasn't for the jobs that he offered and for people to get health care, then doctors wouldn't have patients. You know, I'm just saying, right? And then they wouldn't be buying vehicles, so there wouldn't be any automotive industry. And they wouldn't be buying houses, so there wouldn't be any real estate industry. And if there was no real estate industry, then there wouldn't be any construction workers. If there were no construction workers, then Home Depot and other places that are selling wood, nails, and whatnot to build houses would be out of business. And then the trucks and the heavy machinery, you know, there's so much going into to just providing one job. That one job that you get from, say, a small business, a small business hires you to work and you're their one employee. That one employee is offered healthcare, is offered steady income. That steady income then goes on to help that one employee buy a car, buy a house, raise a family, put them through school, buy clothes, buy CDs, buy food, buy everything. And therefore, all those actions that person can do because that one job funds other people having jobs to cater to what he's doing. Get it? This is how capitalism works. We all work together. The harder you work, the more you make. The more you make, the more you can contribute because it may not seem like you're contributing because you have a big, you know, huge company, but every single employee in there that gets a salary and gets healthcare is able to then fuel other industries that sell stuff they want to get and they can get because they got paid that want to buy a house. And to buy a house, you got to build it. You got to have product. You got to have companies. You got to sell it, right? All these things. This is how capitalism works. So when people tell you it's not fair that, you know, little Joey grew up in the projects and, you know, he's never going to get a chance. Little Joey has more chances than someone that lived in suburbia with rich parents. Why? Because little Joey, he is at a disadvantage at his, at his, um, uh, what on his upbringing at the young age. But for that reason, our government has outreach programs and provides little Joey a lot more opportunities to level the playing field when it comes to education and promoting himself. So I, I dis- I loathe people trying to use the poverty card because, you know, lots of children are born into poor families. Lots of children are born into rich families. The kids are not what their parents are um, after they become adults and after they complete their first set of education, which is high school, right? When they complete high school, it's all about them and they get to choose. And the choices children make, yes, indeed, at a young age may be influenced by parents, but in essence, it's their choice too. Uh, but we can't really blame him. It's always a parent. So we need to hold them accountable. So on that note, um, be, before we head to the break, I just want to tell you guys right after the break, we're going to talk about um, Ilhan Omar. We're going to talk about Ocasio. We're going to talk about Rashida. You know what? Actually, we're going to talk about them later. I think right after the break, we need to get with Epstein because I just published an article where I demonstrated how Epstein and Wexner, right? These I want to demonstrate to you how the retail industry, the mainstream media, and now our public school of education are the ones that are responsible for normalizing pedophilia, for normalizing sexualization of children. And I think I've demonstrated it quite well by showing you how Wexner, even though people are trying to say that he was just business partners, um, kind of looks like they were more than business partners. I'll see you guys just after the short break and, and, and we'll talk about Epstein just a little bit.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows that's four pillows for the price of one to take advantage of this special offer call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code red state that's 1-800-961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I thought for this uh, last half hour of the first hour, we could talk about Epstein a little bit because he's kind of in the background because there are a lot of raids going on across the nation. And um, I wanted to take a spin on it, and I wrote this article to show you guys just how organized and how together these people work, how they work together. Uh, You know, Wexner, as you know, lots of, uh, you know, news agencies have said that he was uh, the primary investor of Epstein. This is the only connection they have. He's never been implicated in any of his, you know, nefarious dealing with little kids and stuff like that, which is complete rubbish. So on ToriSays.com this morning, I published it. And I wanted to demonstrate for you and introduce you to another concept because I'm going to be going into that uh, later on in the next couple of weeks as I collect information and kind of try to make sense of it for everyone. Um, Wexner always says that he never wanted to get into retail and all this stuff. And he was like this businessman from uh, New Albany, Ohio. Okay. And so... 
he created a brand called Limited, which was like to fill the niche market of like sportswear for women back in back in the days, right? But then slowly he started to build up his portfolio by buying more mainstream uh, type clothing companies, you know, like... Um, there was Express that he put out. That was pretty popular in the 90s, right, guys? Uh, so Victoria's Secrets, another one. Lane Bryant. I mean, the list can go on and on. There's tons of them. Uh, you know, Amber Comby and Finch. Now, that was actually, Amber Comby and Finch was um, created in the 18, early 1900s by these two New Yorkers. They did it. And, you know, he just collected brands and put them under his umbrella, Okay. Now, what I wanted to demonstrate for everyone in that in 2012, when Justin Bieber turned 18, Victoria's Secret held their November fashion show. But it was really weird because they had Justin Bieber perform at the, at the, at the age of 18 in a very provocative and sexualized and, uh, you know, half naked women vibe show, oh, which by the way, he ended up dating some Victoria's Secret models, didn't he? That was like, 12 years older than him or 15, whatever. I don't know. But see, what was incredible about that when I saw it in 2012, right? I was thinking, wow, kids that actually listen to Justin Bieber are like little kids, okay? At that time, you know, I had a child that was, you know, seven and she liked Justin Bieber. And so she wanted to hear him sing. She wanted to see his concert, but she's going to see all these women that are glamorized in underwear in lingerie. Now you might say there's nothing there if it's not sexualized. Correct. Because for me, like for example, for me, uh, I was born and raised in New York, but every summer I would spend my summers in Greece and in Greece, you know, going to the beach topless is no big deal. So as a teen, I always went to the beach topless. I didn't think of boobies as something super sexual. It was something normal for me because that is how it was cultured into me. Right. So let's be honest in the United States, we're a little bit more prude and that works for us. I'm okay with that. Uh, we're very prude. There's no naked women on commercials flying through water. You know, you don't see boobies on TV. Well, now you do, but you didn't used to. Right. Um, so it was more different. It's the way you're raised if you're sexualizing boobies or not. Right. So I never thought of boobies as being something uh, sexual until, you know, I was like, yeah, in the military where it was like, you know, I actually got stopped in Pensacola once um, by the beach police because I had unstrapped the back of my bikini so I don't get lines. And I was like, but no one's seeing me. I'm like laying down. Yep. Not allowed. It's illegal. You'll get a ticket um, so, or arrested, whatever. Indecent exposure. But anyway. What I'm trying to say is, is that uh, they try to draw in, right, more younger children to want to fantasize about wearing all those pretty underwears and dancing around Justin Bieber. That's the way I saw it. So here's where we go into Leslie Wexner. So he was, you know, he owns uh, all these, you know, brands, Bath and Body Works, where you get like, you know, your candles and your your cheap smelling perfumes that kind of smell hot and has tons of other like spin-off brands that are falling under the L brand umbrella, right? The limited, which is L brand basically. So what is going on? They are saying that Wexner was just his business partner and helped, you know, invest in his hedge fund, right? Well, I don't think so. 
Because back in uh, back in the day, uh, there was a, a woman by the name of Maria Farmer, if you guys remember, who had complained and filed, well, accused Epstein of holding her hostage. So this chick was working at some art studio in New York, right, in Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken. And um, she was at an art gallery and Epstein offered her, uh, hey, you can come work for me because I want to curate some art. And this is back in 1995. So, you know, she decided, all right, sure, whatever. But it turns out that she just ended up being Epstein's Upper East Side bouncer. She was not collecting art. She was hanging out in front of his mansion in New York. And she was taking names and making sure she wrote down who came in and who left. So... She says that in 1996, Epstein had supposedly set up some art project for her at Wexner's mansion. Yeah, Leslie Wexner's mansion. So she was taken to Leslie Wexner's mansion, right, by Epstein and by Maxwell, you know, the madame. And so this is in New Albany, Ohio. She said that she was there um, and that Maxwell and Epstein sexually assaulted her. Now, for some reason, uh, when I was reading her testimony, she said that her brothers were there, too, which she probably brought them on so they can work or something. I don't know. But she had little brothers that came with her. So that's like, whoa. Anyway, she was trying to leave Wexner's mansion and Wexner's security team refused to let her and her brother leave so she got into contact with her father who drove all the way from Kentucky to get them this was her complaint and then she went back to New York told the police and the police were like yeah you need to call the FBI and she even says in her statement you know FBI didn't really do anything so Wexner is involved because Epstein obviously had the keys to his house and his security team would allow two young boys and a woman to be raped by Epstein and Maxwell and not allow them to leave the house. Now, um, one thing that struck me is that the chief financial officer for like L Brands, right? Um, um, his name is Bergerdorfer. I saw him uh, at a conference. It was back in 2013 where he was talking about what Victoria's Secrets is doing with the pink line. And people were asking him, you're over-sexualizing children. You're targeting young children. He was like, listen, man, um, little girls want to be older. They want to be cool like the girl in college. And that's part of the magic. What he calls magic is what I call over-sexualizing children. And so in my article, I show you where they were selling thongs for kids that are age 12 to 14. They were selling thongs that were saying things like, call me. Are you feeling lucky? Um, I dare you like on the bum or after party. Look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm the mother of two daughters. My youngest is now 13. At the age of 11, I had taken her to Victoria's Secret to get sports bras because they're so well made. No joke. No joke. The stuff are nicer and everything. But even just the other week, I took her to go get some underwear and she was like, Mom, why are they so like sexy? I mean, I'm like... I don't feel comfortable wearing that right now. And that was true. Like, this is stuff that fits her. So if they're not targeting kids like 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, and 13-year-olds, then why do the sizes fit these kids? I mean, my kid is super tiny as a human being. She's like a tiny little person. She's tiny. She's like, you know, a little mignon. Um, she wears size medium in the pink line. <laughs> 
So it's like, if they're not meant for kids, then what kind of adult or college girl fits into a medium that my kids, a size 25 waist, you know, she's like a triple zero, if there is one, double zeros are big on her, um, can fit in a medium in the pink line. So obviously they are targeting young children. And guys, seriously, the bras and stuff and the underwear they have for these little children are lacy. They're, you know, um, they're lingerie like sexy lingerie I mean what kind of child needs to wear like sexy lingerie I mean you know uh, it's just super weird right so just just to give you a bit of a history refresher when um Abercrombie French um and um uh Victoria's Secret had they they all had a lot of controversy in the early 2000s right so I just want to say with Victoria's Secret, when they popped this, um, you know, spring, what was it called? It was um, Bright Young Things. They called girls things, right? Um, it was really weird. NBC was having the Today Show and they were reporting on this, you know, Bright Young Things campaign, which is the things or the young girls, right? And... The, even the person on air said, you know, um, the latest campaign has underwear that is too racy to show here. Well, if it's too racy to show on daytime TV, then maybe tweenies and teens shouldn't be wearing it, right? That's what you would think. Well, this is the reason, guys, you don't seem to get that they're over-sexualizing children, not just by pushing the lingerie. There's so many retailers around the world that do this. I mean, um, the, this is why I always say that it is best um, to focus on what we have and don't have wow why is it, why am i constantly being kicked off air i saw that guys um I, I i have to upload yesterday's uh radio show and i'll upload today's so it's more seamless for you but the thing is so many retailers are trying to over sexualize children around the world i mean in 2017 china had a fashion show that made global headlines where children as young as five were dressed up like Victoria's Secret's angels. And, you know, it makes you wonder, right? Now, I want to talk about a little bit about um, Abercrombie and Fitch, um, you know, and also American Eagle is part of the L brands too, right? So it's located, the headquarters are in New Albany, Ohio. Whoa, what a surprise there, right? Because Wexner's mansion is located there too. Um, it is um, one of the companies that came under a lot of scrutiny. Um, so much scrutiny in regards to the way they were marketing things and how they were marketing things. Uh, it was more so their target market uh, was children. And uh, because the target market was children uh, by uh Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, they came under fire. So in 2002, if we remember, this brand had so many people up in arms because they had Christmas catalogs and posters of sexually provocative teen looking and they all were like super young looking right in these catalogs and posters in the nude so you'd walk into the store and you'd see a little girl that was like maybe maximum like 13 
stark naked and posing sexually suggestive with the male. They also had like a thong line for children that had terms like eye candy and daddy's favorite dish, you know, and it's like, dude, these are for kids. Like, what? You know, so this revamp that they did, um, you know, uh, after that was like racist you know they were making fun of Chinese people they were like two Wongs don't make a right and they had like Chinese people on it uh, you know they were derogatory toward women you know calling them slaves of men or you know making sexually suggestive things about just women and this is apparel right targeted at tweens and teens and remember the tweeny market is one of the biggest ones and as a parent I tell you it's one of the hardest things to shop for is a child that is not a teenager but too old for kids clothes right and that's the ages between mm, 11 and 14 right um because I find myself for my tweeny well she's a teen now she's 13 but as a tweeny and as a young teen I shop between you know uh, kids uh, sizes to adult sizes to teen sizes to junior. I'm just saying. So if you pay attention, the retail industry has targeted your child to over-sexualize them. In fact, in 2009, and in this article, I actually put a PDF um, uh, viewable um um, copy of the magazine that Abercrombie and Fitch would release. And this one is called 2009, right? 2009 back to school. So that was the magazine. And during that back to school time, well, no, the magazine is the 2003 one, sorry, but they did the same in 2009 because in 2009, after being called racist, after all this stuff, right? Guess what they did? They created a collection of t-shirts that were derogatory and atrocious like for kids right these are kids and the words would say like show the show the twins right and it would show a girl flashing her breasts to two boys that was their back to school line are you getting it guys so it was so much outrage that the national coalition for protection of children and families actually chimed in that's how bad it is and they were like look man they've been publishing these magalogs which is their catalogs which are called magalogs because they were like you know 100 something pages they were thick people would just get them and they're like two teens that are 13 and 14 are getting them and if you scroll through one of these guys you will see that they show uh, uh you know teen boys like taking underwear off a woman and there's two naked guys with the chick in a field and she's like all happy they're taking underwear they're showing threesomes in the back of a car like this is this is no joke I, and the cover just shows two butt naked teenagers that are twins and then this chick you know obviously those were the twins for the t-shirt right and then this blonde chick that looks like a better version of Heidi um uh you know in her pink panties only topless kind of leaning over like they're having a great time in this flower car like you have to see this to believe it this is what they've been doing to the kids so retailers right Wexner for example and many more retailers have primed your child have primed our children for all the Weinsteins and all the Epsteins around the world that is their that's what they've been doing and the thing is the mainstream media 
has been helping them. The mainstream media, Hollywood, the singers, you know, they're the ones that are helping this. I mean, look, we, you know, CNN back in 2013 did a great job on reporting how, you know, people were frustrated with um, sexualization of children. There was this one guy who was like a stay-at-home dad and a huge like blogger apparently. And he was like, well, I took my seven-year-old to get a bathing suit and it was more string and barely any material. That is a hundred percent correct. They are targeting your children to normalize pedophilia, to normalize their sexual, their sexual preferences or what they want to do and how they want to do it. I mean, we've all seen that child, right? Desmond is amazing, right? That child that from the age of like 10 decided he's going to be like a drag queen and he knows his sexual preferences already and knows what he likes and who he is. Uh, Dancing for men at an all gay men club and people throwing money at him. Like, how is that okay? Now, what we have to understand though, and I'm going to introduce you to this concept so you understand, is that it's not just the clothes, right? Um, marketing companies and Hollywood influence. It is one of the most effective ways to target your child because children like to mimic the people they look up to. If they look up to the teenagers in high school, you know, the middle schoolers look at the high school, they're like, oh my God, she's so fabulous. I want to do that, you know, or, you know, their, uh, their um, pop star choice or whatever, or a uh, YouTube star or, you know, in the movie, they always like, like to mimic, right? And want to aspire to be something like who they consider their role model for whatever in their social form, right? And they want to be modern and up to date. Well, that's one aspect and that's a very good aspect because we do know that children uh, start to mold their personalities when they're younger and they start to mold their aspirations and what they look up to, you know, their moral floor, you know, what they find is right, wrong, make friendships, right? Stuff like that. So from the age of like six upwards, all they do through school and socializing is to create their identity as a person. Like I like peas. I don't like peas. I like the color green. I hate the color green. You know, they formulate their own selves right until they become adults. Well, so if fashion, music, movies, all of them are telling them to be sexualized, will that indeed make them sexualized? Maybe. I mean, it didn't for me, so it may not have for everyone. I mean, it's effective, but, you know, it depends on the child if they, you know, find superficial satisfaction, you know, like by someone saying, oh, your hair looks so good. Oh, wow. I can see your underwear under that skirt. That's so provocative. And the attention that 10 boys give you is supposedly something important, even though it's cheap and nasty, you know, that's your call, right? If you like that stuff. So yeah, it can help. But the worst one is what they're doing now. And this is what I, what I want to explain to you. Epstein, Weinstein, Nixium, all of that stuff. I've said it before. We got to thank El Chapo, right? El Chapo gave up the former president of Mexico's son, who was the head of Nexium in Mexico, remember? Then Weinstein, he had a lot of contacts with El Chapo, didn't he? I mean, at the end of the day, 
who was sitting and interviewing wine uh, who was sitting and interviewing El Chapo while Interpol and the whole world were looking for him yeah that's right Sean Penn so how did Sean Penn find him oh I know but I'm not telling the FBI or Interpol like how does that even happen so uh, can we hold him in in you know obstruction of justice for knowing where he is and not telling anyway what we need to understand is is that he gave us everything and and Epstein remember would be in his territory would be in El Chapo's territory I'm pretty sure they crossed paths before and now they're only three doors down from each other right at the Manhattan Correctional Center I'm just saying bottom line is from these two criminals I just want to point out Epstein is about power El Chapo is about family the only reason he's starting to cultivate his singing voice and telling us everything is because he wants to keep his family safe uh, or in operation whatever you want to call it now I remember someone who was in one of those closed hearings of El Chapo he said I mean if you think that this is the problem there's a lot more that's going on to get the children in line when he was talking about that subject in court now I can't really talk about it because no one's supposed to talk about it and there were very few people in there so I'm just giving you the heads up what have we seen in the past 10 years where we have seen that our government, our Congress people, our senators, our mayors, our governors, our attorney generals, our anything, our city councils have started to push what within uh, d- down our children's throat. The idea of gender identity, the idea of inclusivity, right? Well, you tell me in kindergarten when your kids is, st- you know, still has milk teeth, still needs a nap. Right. Because, you know, they cry and they don't know why they cry. Right. They're they're crying. I don't know because they're bored, crying because they have growing pains, crying because, you know, they're hungry. They don't even know then. Right. But in school, they're teaching them how uh, what gender is and that they can choose what gender they are and that they don't have to fit into this box of being a boy or a girl because they may have a different sexual preference. So why are we? Telling children at the age of five and introducing them to the concept of sex. Why are we telling prepubescent children that they can choose who they're attracted to and they can choose what they identify as? Why are we doing that? Because pedophilia. That's why. The younger, the younger, the younger the children are introduced to the concept of sex. And when they get this concept of sex at that young age, it's not something emotional. It's not something that it connects to people. It's not something, you know, that's magical, you know, for some people. It's what? Carnal. It's just a thing you do. It's just you kind of like it, so you do it. It's not a big deal. And this is how younger children become sexually active because they're taught that having sex is not for procreation. No, no, no. It's not because you love someone and you want to create a human being. It's about just doing it. So you can do it with five people. You can do it with 10 people. You can do it with 20 people at once. You could just do it with two, whatever. And they could be all of you know, whatever sex, when we're telling kids from the age of five and introducing them to the concept of sex and choosing sexual preferences, it's inevitable that our children will be promiscuous and they will be open to people like Harvey Weinstein, to people like Jeffrey Epstein, to people like 
cults of Nixium, where sex is just a tool. Sex is just a pleasurable thing and can be used for benefits. I mean, you have to think about it. Epstein was supplying the world with children. I mean, so much that he was able to use aircraft that was you know, under the purview of the State Department and the CIA. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know of how disgusting this is. I mean, it's not just clothes. It's not just your school. It's toys. Remember the Bratz dolls, how they're sexualizing toys now for children. You need to be a little bit more astute. This war on humanity is at its peak right now, and and we've just won the the war by electing President Trump. So what we need to do is be more vocal and call things like this out. Call it what it is. It's trying to normalize pedophilia and objectifying children to normalize their promiscuity. I'll see you all after this break. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. real news welcome back everyone to the tori says show i'm your host tori so in this hour i want to talk about two things one i want to talk about omar the anti-american caucus and what they really say because unfortunately a lot of people that have been retweeted i even retweeted just for people to see what she said um were wrong you know on using well not wrong in respects to the context but wrong on what they said omar was saying when she was referring to Al-Qaeda and beefing up her chest. See, it was completely wrong. And I will correct them because, you know, unfortunately, I've said this before, right? In the U.S., we were a little bit more prude, but we lack uh, the ability to understand foreign culture um, easily, especially for those of us that haven't traveled outside the U.S. and, you know, experienced those cultures. And, I, you know, I, I think for those of you that are longtime listeners, you can understand that my um, ability as a polyglot, right? And as a linguist for the government, uh, you know, I am able to understand these things. So I I was the one that broke that story with Laura about Ilhan Omar and her terrorism class, if you remember, months and months and months ago. And it's on torysays.com. You can go in the search bar and type in Omar, where I literally demonstrated what she meant by it. Okay, and I know it's a better talking point and a soundbite to just say whatever, but it's not. So before I start on playing the clips of Omar, of Presley, of Rashida and um, AOC, I want to um, reiterate how the president uh, retweeted or made a, a, a 
tweeted out something that Sheftis says, which is, if you come after the president, the country, the flag, he's going to defend himself. What the squad doesn't like is that Donald Trump is forcing the very laws that are on, is enforcing the very laws that are on the books that were put there by Congress, which is true. And he also tweeted, uh, those tweets were not racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body. The so-called vote to be taken is a Democrat con game. Republicans should not show weakness and fall into their trap. This should be a vote on the filthy language statements and lies told by the Democrat Congresswoman, who I truly believe, based on their actions, hate our country. Get a list of the horrible things that they have said. Omar is polling at 8%, Cortez at 21. Nancy Pelosi tried to push them away, but now they are forever wedded in the Democrat Party. See you in 2020. Indeed, their statements are helping President Trump get reelected. So, what is it that they've been saying? What have they been saying? So, First of all, I want to replay what the president said when he said um, of what if someone has a problem with our country doesn't. Well, you know, no, we'll play that afterwards. Let's look at what they've said. So I want to start with the easiest one, which is this ridiculous woman, Ayanna Presley, who dethroned a 10 term guy in a non-white district just listen to what she says. It's really, really incredible. Yes, I do quote Shirley Chisholm a lot, who said, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring your own folding chair. But I've amended that because I don't want to bring a chair to an old table. This is the time to shake the table. This is the time to redefine that table. Because if you're going to come to this table, and for all of you that have aspirations of running for office, for whatever lived experience and identity that you represent, if you are not prepared to come to that table and to represent that voice, don't come. Because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We don't need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. Come on, speak it. And if you're worried about being marginalized and stereotyped, please don't even show up. Because we need you to represent that voice. The midterm elections of 2018, they spoke a lot about each of our magic. I would never give short shrift to any of our magic, but this is work. And we put it in every day. So what did Presley tell us? That if you don't agree with us, then don't speak up. If you don't agree with what we say about white supremacy and all that nonsense, then you don't speak up. You should speak up the way we tell you to speak up or shut up. That is what she's telling you. How derogatory it is to make those statements on races and uh, I would say uh, ethnic minorities, which are not minorities anymore, um, have been pushed through uh, the media, through, I mean, everything, everything, everything they keep pushing us is this, this incessant, obsessed way of trying to just sever ties between Americans based on color and religion. Listen to what Rashida had to say. 
Thank you to my sisters in service. Thank you all so much for being here. As we all know, the recent tweets and words from the president are simply a continuation of his racist and xenophobic playbook. We cannot allow these hateful actions by the president to distract us from the critical work to hold this administration accountable to the inhumane conditions at the border that is separating children from their loved ones and caging them up in illegal, horrific conditions. I represent the third poorest congressional district in this country one that is made of working people who have been targeted by this administration and their actions and words are hurting them today. I'm going to pause that. So she represents a district, which I told you, which I fixed, which was holding a festival that found that making white people pay double for a ticket to attend that event was okay. It was Rashida who said, Rashida's office who said to me, well, it's not, you know, when I blatantly just asked, hey, I mean, don't you find it weird that I have to pay twice as much to get into an event just because of the color of my skin? Isn't that racism like right there? And you know what the response I got is? It's not racism if you're not a, prote a protected minority. What? So this is the woman sitting in Congress telling you her district is the poorest. Her district is being attacked by this administration, yet her district is the one that is the voice of racism. They are literally saying that people, non-persons of color should be paying double because that's that's what would be fair take a listen to what else she says i was elected to fight for them fight for the 13 congressional district they sent me here to congress to fight back against the corporate assault and the corruption in our country this means supporting an impeachment inquiry of this president and his actions by the uh, administration and his appointees Sadly, this is not the first, nor will it be the last time we hear disgusting, bigoted language from the president. We know this is who he is, and we know that he and his administration are constantly engaged in actions that harm residents and American people in our country. Many members of Congress have called for his impeachment because of his utter disregard and disrespect of the United States Constitution. And despite this and other many attempts to distract us, I remain focused. We remain focused on holding him accountable to the laws of this land and accountable to the American people. I heard, urge House leadership, many of my colleagues, to take action to impeach this lawless president today. So their answer to being called out, for one, one of them, sympathizing with terrorists, is a terrorist and, uh, you know, is under investigation uh so their response to that is we should impeach him we should impeach him because he's racist says the woman that represents right a district where they were charging double okay double for people that were white so i want to fast forward on this clip that i have to ocasio where she spoke she sounds so dumb okay let's take a listen to her as brief, I guess, as I can. But who knows when I get on a roll, right? Um, when I was a little girl, my father took me to the reflecting pool here. We were on a road trip from New York to Florida to visit family. And I've told this story before, but it was my first time ever visiting Washington, D.C. And... It was my only time visiting Washington, D.C. for years, if not decades. And 
he rested me on the side of the reflecting pool and had my toes dip in the water. And he had me look at the Washington Monument, had me look at the Capitol, had me look at the entirety of the capital of our, of our great country. And he looked at everything and he pointed to all of it and he said, this belongs to all of us. This belongs to you and it belongs to me. And so the first note that I want to tell children across this country is that no matter what the president says, this country belongs to you. So is she referring to U.S. citizens or, you know, children across the whole planet who are not U.S. citizens? And it belongs to everyone. And today, that notion, that very notion was challenged. This weekend, that very notion was challenged. So I am not surprised when, a, when the president says that four sitting members of Congress should, quote, go back to their own country when he has authorized raids without warrants he didn't on say thousands that. of families across this country. I am not surprised. So he's she's not surprised that he didn't say go back to your own country. He didn't say that. He said, go back where you came from, which means crawl back into your hole. Now, in respects to Omar, it can be seen differently because, again, I'm going to restate again and again and again about Omar. This is why I'm leaving her last. But take a listen. So she's saying that what he said, you know, go back to where you came from is a problem because he's uh, raiding people across the nation that don't belong here. That that broke the law coming here as if they have rights to stay here. That he used, uses the rhetoric that he does when he violates international human rights and takes thousands of children away from their families. Oh my gosh. I'm surprised that he has turned our public education system under the leadership of Betsy DeVos into a cash cow to enrich himself and his friends. I am not surprised when he corrupts via the Secretary of Transportation. I am not surprised at what he's doing. But I also know that we're focused on making it better because we don't leave the things that we love. And when we love this country, what that means is that we propose the solutions to fix it. We love all people in this country and that's why we believe healthcare is a human right. Oops. We, we love all children in this country and because we do, that's why we fight for education for all children through college. And so we'll stay focused on our agenda and we won't get caught slipping because all of this is a distraction. Okay, she's a distraction, guys. Like, seriously. Uh, the stuff that she's saying is complete and utter rubbish. Uh, makes absolutely no sense. Now I want to play that clip from the president before we move on to Omar. Do you questions, Mr. Mr. President? Do you think your tweets were racist, Do you think his tweets were racist? Not at all. Do you Mr. think those Democratic women are not American? Somebody has a problem. See her statements on Al Qaeda. All right, so let's do that. See, she was asked, you know, do you condemn Al-Qaeda? Do you condemn this? So let's first take a look if she would condemn the Antifa terror group. Let's just start 
you know, baby steps, right? Uh, this is, you know, uh, a reporter nicely from the rebel. He's so good the way he asks Omar questions. He says, will you condemn, uh, you know, Antifa beating people and, you know, the deadly attack on the ICE facility last week? She doesn't answer the question. She smiles at him. She's with uh, uh, AOC, the by the way. Will you condemn Antifa? She smiles. Do you feel like you have any sort of responsibility for their actions? AOC is like right like there too. Your brother, when you ignored the questions about you marrying your brother, you couldn't answer it. Do you feel responsible for the violent attack against a nice facility? Kind of, it kind of blew up in your face when you didn't respond about your brother. It made it look like you married him. Yep, she's not answering, guys. Great questions, right? Simple ones. Like, shut up, dude. Never married my brother. Why not say it? Did you marry your brother? Why is why is she not answering like the question about Antifa, right? Why isn't she answering that question? It's super simple. We don't she could have just kept it blank. Like we don't allow, we don't um, approve of any violence in our nation against any US citizens. That's what should have been said, right? If she didn't want to say Antifa is rubbish even though we know the mainstream media and all of them are promoting them because they are doing the ugly work for them. Here is where he asks her, will you tell Americans not to be violent anymore? And she laughs. Listen. Will you tell Americans not to be violent anymore? Antifa to be, uh, to be exact. They're laughing. They're in the Should car Antifa laughing, you guys. Violent? I just retweeted it for you guys okay, to see it on Twitter. She's literally laughing literally laughing when he asked that question it's disgusting so let's go on the comments that the president said she made all right let's start with the 9-11 now liz rnc you know she's the gop national spokesperson she got it wrong here i'm gonna correct her uh not on the 9-11 but i'm gonna correct her in the other one and it's not because i don't like her it's because i loathe fake news and i loathe talking points that are just to for the sake of talking points. Listen to what she said about 9-11. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something. Some people did some things, right? CARE was founded. CARE is a terrorist organization, but don't worry. We'll get to that. Um, She said it was founded because some people did some things. No, not some people did some things. It was horrific. Now I'm going to play the clip that everyone is now playing, even though we've, Laura Loomer and myself reported it months and months ago about her. Here's what it says. Since the media refuses to provide any context, a threat of statements made by the socialist squad in the house. This is what she's doing. So Blaze TV, again, I've already expressed to you how I feel about Blaze TV. Totally, total infiltration of the conservative movement. It says, Ilhan Omar laughing about Al-Qaeda, wondering why we don't speak of America in the same tones. That was wrong. Listen. And so it was, it was the, the thing that was interesting in the class was every time the, the, the professor said Al-Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and, you know. Yeah, he's in command like, here. Al-Qaeda, you know, hospital. He's an expert. <laughs> So um, I remember um, when I was hold on. So uh, a thing came up that says Rep. Omar is uh, mocking how, you know, people of the United States are, you know, don't are afraid of terrorists. In college, I took uh, a terrorism class. And is that a such thing? Yeah, there was. So there you was, go. At, there is a lab for that. There was. A, there was a class that you. <laughs> Do you go to lab? Then? No, you go we, out we, field we, we learned uh, the, the ideology. Of, I'm glad um, you do that. 
And so it was, it was the, the thing that was interesting in the class was every time the, the, the professor said Al-Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and, you know, yeah, he's in command like, here. Al-Qaeda, you know, hospital. He's an expert. And it, was, <laughs> and it was, you know, as What's his it, name? As, what are putting oh, his name on the area? We, we what are does not he love? saying his name. Uh, yeah. you, you probably get to see him on, on CNN. Okay, so let's break that down. First of all, she's talking about her terrorism class at the North Dakota State University. Now, I emailed them. This is how I nailed her on marrying her brother and nailed her on fraud, tax fraud, nailed her on student loan fraud. And, you know, now the state of North Dakota, every single citizen in North Dakota knows that they contributed to subsidizing her education in North Dakota. Now, this professor has nothing to do with CNN, not at all. She lied. First of all, he's a clown. He's one of those round, you know, liberal, you know, guys. And I contacted him, you know, and tr- and saw his syllabuses from other years. I mean, this guy is like softy. My 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 little sister actually teaches terrorism, counterterrorism at John Jay. He is like peanuts. Okay, so. What she was saying is that when he would say it, he'd be like, Al-Qaeda, like, oh, Al-Qaeda, you know, or this. Now, take a listen to what else she says after they joke around about the fact how people that are teaching terrorism classes are giving more emphasis and saying it in a certain way, kind of like, oh, you know, like in a Morgan Freeman type way, whereas everyone else is vanilla. Listen. Well, yeah, of course. I love those guys. But you know, but 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 it is it is that you don't say America with an yeah. intensity. You yeah. don't say England yeah. with yeah. an intensity. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't say um, the army with an intensity. Qaeda. <laughs> but you say these these names because you you want that that word to carry weight. You want it to leave something. With, yeah. with it has a cultural meaning, not just exactly. So it's it's you know. It's, it said with a deeper voice, with so, so yes, it is. But when a non-white commit a violence or misbehave, we condemn the whole culture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when a white condemn, we just go to psychoanalysis that he were, he didn't have a girlfriend when he was growing up. Yeah. It was like he he's not capable of committing violence because he's white. Yeah. Okay, so here's where the discussion gets pear So first of all, what she was saying about the buffing up the chest and giving it meaning. Now, I don't know about you, but when I speak of the United States of America and I say the United States of America, it has the same weight as saying Hamas, right? No, it doesn't. Hamas are rubbish. Hamas are terrorists. Hamas, Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, Taliban, all of them, Al-Shabaab, all of them, they are terrorists. They are bullies with guns and they are bloodthirsty. The U.S. Army, the United States of America, none of those are bloodthirsty bullies, right? They fight for a cause, right? And oh wait, one may say that the terrorists do too. And here's where we go to this part. This is the part that's funny. How they agree that if one white person commits an act of terror, that he acted on his own and there's a psychoanalysis and whatnot, whereas someone of color does it differently. Well, let's put it down. The people of 9-11, right? That's assuming that everything they told us is correct. Okay. I need to say that all had one thing and that was falling under the umbrella umbrella of radical Islamic terrorism. 
the shooter at the Pulse nightclub. Radical Islamic terrorism. There is a goal. These people, it could be that a brown or black or Muslim person just commits an act because they feel like it, right? And it's not terrorism. And that's where psychoanalysis falls in. Like, no, they weren't terrorists. They were just nut jobs. So what does a white person in America have a common goal when they go shoot up a school? Is it Islam? No. Is it white supremacy? Uh, no. Is it this? No. It's just, they just did it because they're psychopaths. So, you know, we have to draw the distinction. Now, she was not mocking uh, you know, why we don't speak of America with the same tones. No, she was making it a statement. That is what's scary in her culture. She was like, you see, they're so dumb. They already know that those, those groups are more powerful. That's what she was pointing out. What she was saying is Al-Qaeda. It sounds more, you know, intrusive, more dominant. And they know it and they just don't know it yet. They're saying it like they know it because it's the truth. And this is why the guy was like, yeah, they were talking like they were experts and they giggled about it Um, because she's the expert. She's got ties to Al-Shabaab. And what is Al-Shabaab? Al-Qaeda. And who, who, who? funds al-shabaab let's go obama released a terrorist from gitmo in 2012 guess where that guy uh keto went where did he go he went and became the leader of al-qaeda in yemen yes thank you obama and what did that leader of al-qaeda in yemen do he came out on telegram and told all his followers in somalia fight the fight we are behind you oh okay al-qaeda al-shabaab same thing so I want people to understand the context. She was not mocking that Al-Qaeda, you know, why we don't speak of America the way we do Al-Qaeda. She was mocking of the fact that we do use different tones because we subconsciously acknowledge that Al-Qaeda and all of them are more powerful, more legitimate, and more standing. Culturally, that is what they were saying. That's why they were giggling. So it's not that they're mocking us, okay? They're not mocking us because we speak of them in another tone than we do in the U.S. kind of like to emphasize. No, 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 no. She was mocking us in the fact that we just don't know it yet. It's kind of like when... um when um, I tell my husband, you know, my cat scratches me all the time. I've had him for 10 years. He is like my Achilles heel. And I, I say sometimes, you know, my cat loves me to pieces. He just doesn't know it yet. This is exactly it. We acknowledge that Al-Qaeda and all of these, uh, you know, groups are, you know, legitimate and stand for, you know, cause. And this is why they're so powerful and strong. But we just don't know it yet. That is what she was telling you. That is what she was telling you. And she hasn't been able, she didn't even take the opportunity when she got to the podium to say, I do not, you know, approve of what Al-Qaeda is. I denounce Al-Qaeda. She didn't. Why? Well, it could be because she's been meeting with presidents and leaders of hostile nations, including Iran. That's why. Why is she having closed door meetings? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? We'll continue on this just a little bit in the next half hour, but we will close with Africa. I'll see you all in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. 
Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease if you're a u.s citizen between 50 and 80 you can get life insurance guaranteed It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Now, this half hour, we're going to be talking about something that the mainstream media has completely blacked out. But I will be writing up an article and putting it out just to show you the hypocrisy. And this has to do with slave reparations and this BS. And it has to do with Africa. I told you Africa was coming to the forefront, didn't I, months ago? I said that. And here's where it comes out. But before we do that, let's play a little clip where Representative Omar was asked, pretty simple, are you pro-Al-Qaeda? And we would like to listen to what her response yesterday was with her anti-American squad here. Respond to some of the president's specific claims, most notably that you're a communist and that you're pro-Al-Qaeda. Okay, communist. Remember when I wrote, when I told you that I wrote up this article, it hasn't come out yet because me and Laura is still working on it because she's in Minnesota and we've got more to add. But do you remember when I said that I was looking at how do you take someone's passport away from being a communist? Remember, you heard it here first. This is her answer. You might have noticed how when he said, go back to where you came from, there was an uproar um, through the... um, through all of our communities, because every single person who's brown and black at some point in their life in this country heard that. Now, when he made the comment, uh, I know that every single Muslim who has lived in this country and across the world has heard that comment. 
And so I will not dignify it with an answer because she won't dignify it with an answer because she can't. She gets funded by Al-Qaeda. And just so you guys know what President Trump meant for her is that did you know that the president of Somalia right now is a dual citizen of the United States of America? I think he actually mentioned it. Or did I dream that? Because I told you that too yesterday. And I'm sorry I haven't uploaded yesterday's radio show. Both of them, yesterday's and today's, will be going up today. But um, the point here to make is that Abdullahi, who is the president of Somalia right now, came here with the embassy of Somalia in the 80s, applied for asylum because he didn't want to go back, was was approved for asylum, went to school in Buffalo, New York, got his degree in the United States, then worked for the Department of Transportation in New York, and then ran for president in Somalia. So when he said, why don't you go back and fix your country and tell us how to do it, is because a Somali already went there to try to fix his country, and he's making it worse because he's giving more leg room to al-shabaab hence the attack this weekend and hence what is going on people don't seem to pay attention now that's it for omar for now for now what we need to focus on is what the media is not talking about so i'm going to play a little song just part of it i'll probably tune it out after a little bit to remind you of the project called usa africa This was one of the biggest scams ever.
to hit the USA on May 25th, 1986. What a great song if it meant what it meant. Now, if you remember, I mentioned Africa. I told you guys that things are heating up. Uh, and Africa is going to be the center of everything. And it so started in the end of June to be so. See, what people don't seem to understand is that Africa, like I said, hasn't been invested by any actual companies per se, more so just NGOs. Well, on the 24th of June, a country called Maruti, uh, Mari, okay, I'm going to say it normally um, rather than anglified, Marisiana, and um, what we would say it in an anglified is what, Maritania, um, I don't know how it would be anglified on that, but what I want you guys to know is that um, this was a an election where um, they claimed was a peaceful transfer of power. And um, Mohammed Uld Guzani of, of Maritania's ruling party was announced that he won. And he was going to be taking over from Mohammed Uld Abdel Aziz. Uh, remember, um, the winner is Mohammed Uld Guzani. And so they seized power in 2008 after a coup and ruled it for 11 years, that party. And um, they won two elections uh, running it for five years. Now, what is this country? This country is an Islamist nation. Uh, They work under Sharia law, but the people tried to fight back. And this country actually blocked the Internet countrywide over protests because um, even though not a lot of people are online, they blocked the internet. Why? Because people were questioning the elections. So it's normal in Africa that countries like Benin, Algeria, Liberia, Somalia, Chad, Congo, um, and Sudan, that they just shut down uh, the internet uh, or they limit access in the internet right before elections or after. Uh, in Sudan, um, you know, they constantly turn off the internet uh, when protesters demanded, you know, when they started to demand the resignation of their president, the former president, Omar al-Bashir. And the reason they did that was because they don't want the international scene to know about it, right? Uh, Uh, And for people within their country to communicate again, if you cut off communication, you have more control, of course. Ethiopia did the all of June, basically, was offline, too. They blocked it because they're trying to um, stop people from uh, getting cheats for national exams. Um, But that was being done when there was a coup in the Norjin Amahara region. So they were saying, oh, we're just blocking the Internet because we don't want kids, you know, fudging test results, you know, to get into college and stuff, you know, for national exams. But in essence, there was a coup going on in the Amara region. This is how they operate. All right. So what happened? What has happened now? Uh, Back in November, because in November of 2018, the president did a lot. I've told you that. Executive orders, a whole nine yards. And if you remember November and December, I was talking a lot about USAID because it's really important. It drives our agenda globally. Well, the president of the United States, right, stopped as of January, right, all um, uh, trade benefits under the African Growth and Opportunity Act as of January 2019. 
And so he cut that off because what 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 we do is when we aid countries supposedly, right? I don't know why we even offer them millions and trillions of dollars. Um, when we aid them, we see what aid they need and how we can help and what benefit does it have for the United States of America anyway. So they go through an annual review. Now, um, the African Growth and Opportunity Act permits them to have duty-free trade on certain goods. So like say, for example, if, uh, if um, Mavritania's uh, you know, major uh, export product is coffee beans, then they don't have to be, uh, they don't have duty uh, to pay on those goods or anything like that. So trade-wise, we try to help them. So the concern that we had, what President Trump had, is a concern of slavery. Now, I've said this before. Slavery is all over the world. And this is how, you know, um, how appalling it is when I see people like Cory Booker or Kamala Harris, who's not black, by the way, um, saying that we owe, you know, uh, black Americans money for slavery from 300 years ago. So they're sitting there saying that. But then on the other hand, they're upset that we cut aid to Maritiana. Why? Well, why did we cut the aid? Well, it's because they still practice slavery. So uh, to make it easier for you in that country, there's two types of uh, people. People A, people B. People B, you're born in that or anything, you're going to be a slave. So it, slavery is one of the biggest in Africa. And uh, Maritania is one of those nations that has was the last one to abolish slavery. Remember, I told you our country was the first on the planet with only less than 100 years of formation to ban the thousands and thousands of year long practice of slavery. Yet we need to pay people reparations, whatever. So they were, Maritiana in 2007, you know, said that they were going to abolish slavery, but guess what? They haven't. There are people that still live in modern slavery. There are people, you know, that are slaves. And this was echoed throughout the African Union, right? This West African country, just so you know, ranks 167 in the global slavery index. Do you know what that means? That means that if you protest against slavery, you go to jail. Okay. That's what happens. So the two groups, there's A and B, the ethnic Haratins uh, are the ones that are considered uh, those that have to pay servitude that are the servants that are the slave uh, tribe, I would say. So the president um, gave the suspension uh, through the act on exports from Rwanda earlier in the year as well because and and you know because of the country's decision to raise tariffs on the import of secondhand clothes from the US that was in a retaliation because um uh, we removed Rwanda's privilege to export duty-free clothing. So we did this because, again, because they have slaves. And, you know, apparently people like Omar keep telling you, oh, it's because they're Islamist countries. No, 
It's not. Our president has received so much criticism and saying that, you know, he's making derogatory comments and racist comments about, you know, uh, people of color. Right. And, uh, you know, that um, he's like mocking and uh, taking jobs, racial jobs, at African countries, especially those that are from Muslim majority countries. But in actual fact, he is trying to force these nations to abolish slavery. Now, why isn't the media talking about this? I mean, this is a really big deal. They have a population of 4.1 million people and over 90,000 of those people have been found to be living as slaves. But the proportion is that 21 out of every thousand people actually are slaves and 62 out of 100 people are vulnerable to being slaves because like I said, it's about, um, you know, the actual uh you know who what family you were born into kind of thing so this is a big deal because they were the last you know country to even abolish slavery supposedly on the books right but they haven't done it yet and our president is take you know calling them to the carpet i mean this country um has just it's just sand okay it's just sand it's like endless sand everywhere but uh you know, when you're a slave there, it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult to do this. I mean, that land literally has huts everywhere and it's a Saharan nation. And, you know, slavery wasn't even a crime until, you know, 2007. And they've not prosecuted any slaves except for one slave owners, except for one, which did like atrocious things like chop heads off in public and things like that. So, you know, people need to understand that, you know, these slaves are forced to like tend to their masters, you know, flock if they have like lamb, goats, whatever, camels, um, they need to do that. Uh, you know, even if they have their own families, they are obliged to do that servitude, even if they're working and trying to feed their own families they are obliged to do this now there are people that have actually run away from the country and escaped and uh you know in 2010 there was uh, a lady by the name of yarba that escaped slavery in 2010 and she had pro you know pleaded to the Marisiana courts uh, to prosecute her slave masters um, justice for her daughter because they killed her. They killed her after they raped her and beat her. They killed her daughter and she ran away and asked people to look into this because there's so much slavery. Yet here we had the Obama administration giving them tons, millions, if not trillions of dollars. And you're thinking, why would we be funding a nation? that literally has real slaves like the slaves on plantations and worse because you know raping killing beheading just being vicious because they're treated like cattle they're treated like objects they're treated like no human being should be ever treated yet we have these damn democrats in the house right now telling us that we need to pay reparations while they're funding slave owners while they're funding nations of slavery because they're too afraid to be saying well you know it's a muslim nation maybe you're just targeting it because it's muslim that's what omar said but no omar we're targeting them because they have slaves we're targeting them because they kill innocent people and they're killing their own people and i've said it again
Slavery has been a thousand, thousand, thousand year old tradition across this planet. And our nation with only a hundred, less than a hundred years under their belt of formation, abolished it. We were the first one on the planet to do so, on the planet to do so. To actually abolish it and make it illegal and put it on the books. We were the first ones. This is what the real face of the Democrats are. They fund slavery. They fund these types of governments. Why? Because where's Obama? Oh, yeah. He had that whole thing. What was it? Oh, let's get with Africa. Didn't he like tweet about it as well? How you should join him in his efforts uh, with Africa? Mm, interesting that he's going down there now that we're cutting aid to all these nations. So the Obama Foundation is helping a new generation of leaders make their mark. And there's an extraordinary group gathering this week for Obama leaders, Africa. Their work will help unlock the incredible promise of the continent and make the world better for all of us. Listen to what this disgusting former president, who I can't wait to be retroactively impeached, said. Hello, everybody. I hope you're ready for a great week with the Obama Foundation's Leaders Africa program. We wanted you all to be here because every generation has its own opportunity to make its mark on the world. As Nelson Mandela said, young people are capable when aroused of bringing down the towers of oppression and raising the banners of freedom. That kind of change starts small, community by community and person by person. And it depends on leaders like you. As you all know, we live in complicated times. And it's easy to get cynical, but you haven't. It's easy to give up, but you're still fighting. You all believe, like I do, that even in the face of incredible odds, we can still shape the future for the better. You all were chosen for this program because you're rooted in your communities. You understand your neighbors and you realize that unleashing their extraordinary potential requires thoughtful, inclusive, and ethical leadership. That's what this week and the next year is all about, unlocking the promise of Africa through people like you. That means taking the skills and experiences you've already got and strengthening them with the networks, the knowledge, and the inspiration you need to make an even greater impact. So this week and beyond, I hope you'll make new connections with each other and build relationships that last. I hope you'll share your stories with each other and broaden your perspectives. I hope you'll test out new ideas together and lean on one another for advice. And of course, I hope you have some fun. Making change is hard enough on its own, so hopefully this program will help you smile a little more along the way. Because the truth is, you all already have so much to be proud of. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. Each of you is doing terrific work, and I believe you've got so much more in front of you. I think you believe that too. And that's why I can't wait to see what you'll do as individuals and collectively over the course of the next week, the next year, and in all the years and decades that follow. So thanks again, everybody. I'm so proud of all of you. Have a great week. Ah, so now we see why this racist rhetoric is being pushed. 
As long as they have footholds with the Obama Foundation, the Oprah Foundations, the Clinton Africa Initiative Foundations, all of those. As long as President Trump is painted and the United States is painted with a broad brush of hate, a broad brush of racism, they can empower, right, these people, these slave owners, these people that butcher villages just for the sake of it to uprise see this is where africa comes in because when you have a nation that is run by dictators by militias by people that are in the same frame of mind as leaders of al-shabaab al-qaeda hamas hezbollah you know all of them (laughs) then it's really easy to keep people in check because they keep them in check with fear So now that President Trump, as of last year, had started, has started in nations like Rwanda, Marisiana, and many, many, many more to come, cutting aid, disallowing immigration, not giving them any money at all or any benefits for trade, you will see all these foundations suddenly uh, be active in Africa. Because without them sending money to Africa so they can launder it themselves, remember USAID's budget is always off, right? By a few million for the past, what, 12 years and no one says anything? This is how they take money from you. This is how they take our federal tax dollars and get this done. And I can tell you one thing, that your federal tax dollars, right, help fund the attack at Al-Shabaab, help fund ISIS attacks. They help fund a lot of terrorist and disgusting activities like slave owners. I mean, the slave owners in countries like this, how do you think they make money by having goats in the middle of the desert with their hut and having people tend to it? No. It's by working with foundations like the Obama Foundation in Africa or the Clinton Initiative or Oprah's, right? This is how they make money and this is how they keep people in check. They get well fed. They get a television and a computer, you know, that some of the people in their village have never even seen in a picture, let alone in person. Uh, You know, they get clothes, they get stupid things that you would be like, okay, that's not a big deal, like a plastic bag. And suddenly, you know, they have command because this is how they exploit people. They've been exploiting people for a very long time and Africa will start to be in the news slowly. I mean, even though there's a huge media blackout, no one's talking about this. No one, you know, this could have been great for them to say, President Trump is a racist. He's cutting aid to Africa. Nope, they can't do that because he's cutting aid because they got slaves. Whoa, we can't let people know that Mm, uh, black people themselves are enslaving black people and selling them. No, we can't say that because then that makes President Trump right. And then we can't push reparations. But here's where you and I need to start talking about this stuff. We need to start letting people know what's really going on in the world, what's really happening, what the agenda really is, and stand firm behind our president. And Kelly Armstrong, I think you've been hanging out with a lot of Democrats to say that what our president said about the anti-American caucus 
was wrong and re-elections are coming, so I hope you quickly backpedal and change that statement. On that note, I want to uh, all, uh, you know, tell you guys that I hope that you have a great evening uh, from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. God bless, and tomorrow... I'm hearing there's going to be a lot more developments coming. Um, It's going to be pretty interesting. And you know what? I just wanted to say UFO, Area 51 storming, 500,000, a million people. It's a distraction because you wouldn't believe what's going to be going on at the end of September. What did I say is happening after Labor Day? That's right. The date's been set. I'll see you all tomorrow, same time, same place, 12 to 2 on Red State Talk Radio. God bless. Town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.